Welcome back to Shrinking Stigma, a podcast by psychiatry residents sharing our thoughts on common myths and misperceptions in mental health. This program was made possible through the Emerging Leaders in Health Promotion Grant sponsored by the Alberta Medical Association, MD Financial, and Juul. In sharing these podcasts, we hope to help reduce barriers to mental health care by decreasing the stigma associated with psychiatry. This podcast is intended only for educational purposes and is not a replacement for medical advice. By listening to this podcast, you do acknowledge that you are responsible of your own medical decisions and are responsible for making these decisions in collaboration with your healthcare professionals. The writers and grant supporters of this podcast have attempted to share evidence-based ideas with you and hope that you will use this only as a tool to understanding mental health illness. We do not hold responsibility for decisions made in association with the details provided in the podcast. If you feel you or someone else you know are struggling with mental health concerns, we strongly encourage utilizing mental health resources in your area. Uh, This is Dr. Jalen Arkan and Jonathan Dorian, and today we talk about the relationship between mood swings and bipolar disorder. I think that's a, a really great topic, Jay. Uh, How did you pick the topic for this podcast? I think it's a pretty common association people notice when people have mood swings. People understand bipolar means that there's two extremes, there's ups and there's downs. Uh, So when we see people having mood swings, it seems like those two should be the same thing. I think people often question that. It sounds like you're implying that they aren't the same thing, and I actually agree. So let's define what each of these ideas mean so that we're all on the same page. The term mood swing isn't a psychiatric term, uh, but we understand that this means you know, a frequent and unpredictable daily change in a person's mood that can range anywhere from laughing and playful one moment to intensely angry or sad the next. In contrast, bipolar disorder is more complex. Bipolar disorder is actually split into two primary disorders, bipolar 1 and bipolar 2. Both disorders have episodes of time where the person's mood becomes very high and likely episodes where their mood becomes very low. There are two types of high moods called hypomania or mania. The low mood is depression. Bipolar 1 disorder is defined by these episodes of mania, but can have both hypomania and depression as well. Bipolar 2 disorder has highs of hypomania and lows of depression. We generally refer to them both as bipolar disorder, but there are some differences within this broad category. Let's talk more about what these episodes look like. According to the DSM, which is the book that has our criteria we use to define mental illnesses, A manic episode, or mania, is a period of seven days or more where the person demonstrates uh, an elevated or irritable mood while having abnormally high levels of energy, both, both of which are so different from the person's normal that they aren't able to function at home or school or work. In telling this apart from a mood swing, it's quite important to remember to be called mania It has to last seven days or longer. Or be interrupted by a hospitalization when the doctors confirm that this is a manic episode earlier than the seven days. There are other symptoms 
that someone has when they have a manic episode. They may be only sleeping for a few hours, something like three hours, and they feel like they have more energy than they've ever had before and and try to complete lavish tasks they otherwise would never have. They do many more risky things, such as going on spending sprees or making sexual indiscretions they otherwise would not have made. They usually speak very quickly, and it's really hard to get a word in or interrupt them, and it's very hard to walk away. I think that that's that's a great description, Jay, and it's an incredibly striking thing to actually see somebody who's manic, um, and it's very difficult to get this across in words. With those criteria that you had mentioned, they don't actually have to have all these things, but they do have to be present for seven days or more. If you're concerned that you know somebody like this who doesn't have health, please try and seek it out for them. A hypomanic episode looks very similar but with less intensity. Hypomanic episodes don't have the severity uh, to present to the hospital and only have to be present for four consecutive days. These are usually more tricky episodes for families, patients, or physicians to identify because there is definitely a change in the person's behavior and they are functioning differently than they normally uh, would have. And other people can notice this, but it's hard for them to tell uh, if this change requires that person to go to the hospital. Really, when someone has more energy and uh, is getting more done on less hours of sleep, as well as having an elevated mood, lots of people think this is a, a great state. And oftentimes when we see people in the hospital, when things have gotten quite bad, they actually have a hard time recalling these states in the past because they didn't identify it as a bad thing in the time. Though it is still a pathological state, despite how nice it sounds for the productivity. During a hypomanic episode, the person's ability to make judgments is still at risk of being impaired. And they still might engage in risky behaviors that they wouldn't have done otherwise. And it is neurotoxic to your brain. This means that it's damaging the cells in the brain because the brain is not meant to go without sleep and maintain such high energy levels for a prolonged amount of time. On the other hand, depression is an episode of low mood. It lasts for two weeks or more where the person has a low mood and no interest in things that they were previously quite interested in. They may have a change in their sleep patterns, appetite, energy levels, concentration, suicidal thoughts, as well as feelings of guilt or hopelessness. So coming back to mood swings, it can sound like people who have mood swings can go from looking like they're in mania with high energy, risky behaviors, elevated mood, but then shortly after are sad and talking about hopelessness. Or so many other variations when people talk about mood swings, they're typically talking about the changes within a day or rapid changes every few days. This is in contrast to bipolar disorder where there are distinct episodes where the behaviors meet certain criteria. The manic episodes last at least one week, the hypomanic episodes at least four days, and the depressive episodes at least two weeks. When you think of someone who is laughing in the morning at a work break and then yelling at their colleagues in the afternoon, this is not bipolar disorder. I'm sure people are wondering then, what mental disorder do people have if they have mood swings? That turns out to be a pretty interesting question. The short answer 
is, as we said when we started, mood swings are not a psychiatric term. There are similar terms used in psychiatry. Uh, One of them is emotional regulation or emotional dysregulation. Emotional regulation refers to the idea that uh, we all experience emotions and need to be able to name them and respond to them in a way that allows us to function socially while still expressing ourselves. This is our ability to slow ourselves from going from zero to 100 when we see something wrong and to consider which way we respond when those emotions come up for us. A mood swing would fit into this concept of emotional dysregulation. What this means is that these individuals have more trouble identifying their emotions, dealing with the intensity of these emotions, as well as managing triggers. Therefore, they have trouble slowing down their mental processing long enough to realize that there's more than one emotional response. There is no one diagnosis where emotional dysregulation happens. I would argue that it's not always the cause or it's not always caused by an underlying psychiatric problem. Have you ever been hangry? Well, that's emotional dysregulation caused by hunger. Or have you ever woken up on the wrong side of the bed? That's emotional dysregulation caused by poor sleep. We all experience it from time to time, and that's just because we're human. On a personal level, my my partner tends to complain that I get quite irritable if I'm not able to go to the gym. I think that this dysregulation becomes part of an underlying mental health concern when it becomes an ongoing pattern of behavior, a pattern that impacts how the person is able to build relationships, how they feel about themselves, or their ability to function in general. There are many different disorders that may have emotional dysregulation as part of the presentation, and it's really too many for us to cover all today. So what do we do if we notice this pattern in ourselves or in someone we love or someone we work with? Well, if you do have a concern that someone may be suffering and that their mental health needs to be addressed, it's important to speak with that person first. This can be a difficult conversation, and it can be helpful to do review strategies to have this conversation in the most supportive manner. I really like the how to start the conversation page on the uh, website Think Mental Health, uh, which gives examples of questions you can ask, tips for conversation, and areas of conversation you may want to avoid. This is a really great place to start if you're looking for some help. If you are still unsure of what to do or what your concerns mean, you can always contact your local health information line and they will be able to help guide you as well. Thanks, John, for your help today in discussing mood swings and bipolar disorder. If you enjoyed this topic and you're interested in learning more about the psychiatry myths, check out our other podcasts uh, on your choice of streaming service or check out our website, website shrinkingstigma.com. Thank you again to the Alberta and Canadian Medical Associations, Jewel and MD Financial for the grant support to make shrinking stigma possible.